What's good, everyone? Welcome back to My First Kicks. This is episode 160. That's right. I had the number wrong last week. This is episode 160. This week, I welcome Jason Faustino to the podcast. Now, if you aren't familiar with Jason, he currently works for a brand. If you look in the corner of my video, uh, that's the hint. But it's funny because I've known Jay for a very long time, and we basically go down through memory lane of just how his influence on me helped me to appreciate and understand sneaker culture so long ago and to what he's doing now and how that translates into everything that he does now, including to stuff that I'm doing now, because me and Jason just really connected or reconnected more recently, especially while doing this podcast and letting him just show me some really cool things back then that spurned into this creation of what we're both doing individually. I think it's it's a really good conversation and, and chat. So I'm really excited to get into the episode. Uh, last week, thank you for everybody who jumped on and listened to my episode with KO. And also the previous week before that with Trayvon. Uh, I'm just as an update for everybody that's listening. I haven't been able to really post social clips on Instagram. So it's, it's kind of like, it was just like the, I don't know the, the way that, that, uh, the, the clip AI that I use that cuts the episodes wasn't letting me download the clip onto my new phone, which is, I, I have a new phone now which is why you'll see different types of video now. But it wasn't letting me upload those clips onto IG, and I was getting really frustrated. So Trayvon's episode didn't get pushed, so you're, that's why this week you have seen several other Trayvon clips along with KO's clip from last week. And I hope this doesn't happen again. But I'm trying to get better with the social stuff. It's very hard uh just overall uh, and that's why last week i asked for some help and i'm asking again if you are a producer a podcast producer and you have time hit your boy up i am looking for someone to jump in and take on this undertaking so that i can add more of a, a presence for the podcast throughout the social medias and doing everything by myself is not good for me in general, along with my everyday, because something falls to the wayside. And right now, the podcast is definitely not falling to the wayside. As you can see, we have been consistently dropping an episode every week. I'm also spending a lot of time finding people. But what does suffer is my social presence on all the social medias so that's why we're here so hit me up if you want to if you're interested we can talk about it let me know would really love to bring somebody on board that can help me out here in the, in the behind the scenes so on to where you can find jason you can find him at at um.jf13 Hit him with a follow, but also he does a, I don't know if it's a weekly newsletter. I know it's, I, I am subscribed to his newsletter, but check out his newsletter, maracuja.substack.com. Now let me spell that out. M-A-R-A-K-U-Y-A.substack.com. Check it out. Also, if you're into movies which is what we talk about on this podcast with Jason. Hit him, uh, well, not hit him, follow him on Letterboxd. It's a good follow. He watches a ton of movies, and we talk about why he watches a ton of movies. I also have a Letterboxd, but it's pretty old, so I have to update it. I have to go back. I do also watch a lot of movies. And if you watch a lot of movies, share your Letterboxd in the comments of one of these clips that I post up for this week's episode. 
And you know where to find your boy. I am who is Haas on all social medias. Follow the podcast at My First Kicks Pod. Follow the podcast at My First Kicks on TikTok. And if you're watching this or if you're listening and you want to watch this, go to YouTube.com and look up My First Kicks. Very easy to find or use the link tree in the description of this podcast. I am only at 190 subscribers. I'm trying to get that up so we can get monetized and I can hopefully pay for a studio eventually because they're 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 beating me in the head right now and it is not a good time. I thought I can get maybe one uh, one to two three episodes in an actual legit studio and this year and it's looking very slim. So with the help of everybody, if I can get this podcast monetized on all platforms, this can make the studio become a fruition. And I implore you all to subscribe, like, share, review everything that is dealing with this podcast. So thank you for listening. And on to this week's guest, Jason Faustino. Hey, Jay, welcome to the podcast. How are you? <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, man, this is a long time coming. I remember first starting the podcast and being like, okay, I got to make sure I get Jay on. And I think I hit you up real early and near you were like, you were like, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, I think it was just timing. Maybe it was last year. And I don't know. I, I don't know what else had going on or maybe things were changing. And um, I don't know. I think it's it's better. I think there's more clear. Um, more clarity and plus I have better things to talk about a year, <laughs> a year later. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, look, we, we definitely, we linked back up in person at complex con the year before 2023, uh, no, 2022, 22. Yeah. And then that's when I was telling you, you know, this would be, it would be a great conversation because we have so much history and then you're, and then I, and then you, you didn't tell me that if you did or did not have a size 13 in the maybe tomorrows and I did not leave with them. And I was so upset after that. <laughs> yeah. It was the six thousands, right? Yeah, it was that. And then I was also trying to get those home, the homeworks home homeworks that, that dropped too. Yeah. And you know how it is in 13. It's like, it's like hit or miss. Sometimes mm -hmm. we have them and um, not many, to, you know what I mean? Like we don't have too many people that are 13, so it's, it can be easy for you to get. And then other times we get one size 13 and then like the three people we know are all asking for it. Yeah. <laughs> nah, yeah, it's all good. I know, I know I've, listen, you, I think it was like super early on. I think the, the, when I first met you and I was, I went down to extra butter and I've tried to get the, what's the first collab? The first one it's, it was it the cotton mouse. I think it was the cotton mouse. Yeah, the Asics? Yeah. yeah. And then you were like, I went there and I specifically went there for that. And you were like, nah, man, I don't even think we got a 13. I was like, what? <laughs> no, we would have always got a 13, but it's just, you know, people, if, when you're not using like, modern demand assessment and stuff mm -hmm. like that like you're just guessing how many pairs of those extreme sizes the very small the very big sizes mm -hmm. and you know i feel like you always guess wrong you know there's <laughs> way more even though there's not a lot of size 13s the size 13 people will find you if you have mm -hmm. pairs it's the same with 14s like some people are like oh i only need one but if it's something hot, like everyone you know that's a 14 is going to ask for it. So you might as well have just gotten a, bu a bunch more. You know? No, yeah. Even like the dudes that have 15s, they'd be going on the the treks. I know um, yeah. DXC CEO or whatever his name is. I don't know his real name, but uh, I know I follow him and he's like, oh, yeah, this is the only size 15 unlucky SBs. I'm like, what? <laughs> Didn't even know they could even come out the size. <laughs> Uh, but for people who aren't familiar with you, how about you introduce yeah. yourself? <laughs> yeah, uh, Jay or Jason, whichever um, last name is Faustino, um, leading collaborations over at Sockamy. Yes, five years. It, as of last month, it was five years. So damn, happy so, anniversary! Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you brought you brought tons of heritage to the brand, and we're going to talk about your sneaker story here, and that. 
that which I will segue into the question that I ask everybody each week. And that question is, what's your first kicks? What's that first pair of sneakers you absolutely needed to have? That was definitely um, AirTech Challenge 2, mm-hmm. uh, White Black Hot Lava, Nike. I was a big Agassi fan. I can't tell if I liked – I can't remember if I liked him first or the shoe first. I think it was the shoe, to be uh-huh. honest. But then when I realized how much his personality, the whole bad boy rebel getting in trouble, like, well, well, not being allowed to play in Wimbledon because he wore too much color, refused mm-hmm. to wear all white. I actually think – his stance on all white affected me from such a young age. Cause I've never had an all white sneaker up until like maybe tomorrow, um, you know, jazz courts we did that were like, um, you know, customizable and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't, I didn't wear Like I've never had a pair of all white air force <laughs> ones. I know that's like a New York staple. No, yeah. And um, you know, just something everyone has in their collection, but I never did. Maybe it was the Agassi thing, but it was definitely the Air Tech Challenge to um, white hot, white black hot lava. No, yeah. Uh, let me give a little description to the listeners here. Uh, this is the description from the 2019 re-release of the shoe. So, uh, the Nike Air Tech Challenge Two Retro Hot Lava 2019 reprises the 1990 original, which was designed for Air tennis star andre agassi this iteration sees the silhouette with a white leather upper decked out with the hot lava swoosh and side panels that sport a lava like splatter graphic below the shoe is cushioned by a visible nike air unit this hot lava edition was released in may of 2019 alongside two similar colorways of the the lebron 16th i don't know why i read that last part but let's go with that yeah. <laughs> yeah, the releases have been great i i know when they retroed it um i don't know if it was 2007 eight. it was early in my extra brother days i remember mm-hmm. but i have some pairs and then i know i have i still have the um they made a varsity jacket, which is yeah. crazy if anyone ever looks that up. Um, I have that. Um, you know, I, I think I could say goodbye to a lot of sneakers these days that mm-hmm. I have, but that one I would never let go of. <laughs> nah, that shoe is a freaking classic. And even yeah. along with like learning how crazy Andre Agassi was of just, you know, being on the court and then, you know, the hair stuff of him you know, being like, I have to have a wig on for this, these, or people need to know me for my hair and stuff like that. Like he was such an identifiable character and for him to have his own shoe was always like, it was just wild too. Yeah. The other partnership he had was with Canon, (coughs) but it was the rebel series, which just makes like perfect sense for Agassiz's like own attitude towards a sport like tennis. So Mm -hmm. everything about him, I was I was down with, but the sneakers went like went hard. I I wore uh, Agassi used to wear like denim like cut off mm-hmm. you know denim shorts with bike shorts underneath, and I would wear that too. Like I was like I was pretty obsessed. Um, Did you grow yeah. up playing tennis? Barely. I mean, I, I took some lessons here and there. It was never really my thing. I I do like it, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, back then the sport was uh, I feel like so much more interesting because of personalities like him and McEnroe too but yeah um yeah Agassi spoke to me back I I was always a Pete Sampras guy for some reason I just love Pete Sampras big big sir (laughs) yeah I mean because when I I played like he's like you I only I played a little bit I never was part of like a team or anything like oh yeah the school had a tennis program imagine that but the we would like for summer camp they would always take us to like you know, Randall's Island or something like that. And they will have us taking serves and and learning how to play tennis out there. And it was like, me me and you have to take lessons from um, that dude, Morgan. on. on (laughs) I mean, I keep telling him I would beat him in pickleball. So I don't know if he's. (laughs) I played that for the first time over Christmas break. Uh, Yes. It was was a little harder than I thought it would be. I mean, I'm pretty athletic. Look, we can figure it out. We can, we, we, when you come up here, we we, will, we'll, we'll borrow a court. Let's see, let's see how bad we'll do. (laughs) Um, so like where majorly did you grow up and, and what were you like your biggest influences? I was, I was raised in Flushing, but I mostly grew up in Long Island. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I was mostly like, yeah, besides, um, being inspired by new york in general like it's mm-hmm. impossible not to be and definitely still rep and proud proud new yorker even though i don't live there anymore mm-hmm. um 
I think my other inspiration was athletes, musicians, the mm-hmm. same thing that other people would be inspired by. Um, between sports, music, and uh, movies, I think that's always been a thing of mine consistent throughout my life. Mm-hmm. And, and like during high school, were you just the fly kid? Like what kind of like what got you what was like your first steps into into sneakers? I don't I don't think so. I really don't. I, I don't think anyone noted me for like <laughs> what I was into from a fashion standpoint. Mm-hmm. I was kind of I was a lot quieter than I, I think I already am. Um I think every now and then people would notice I had kicks here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, back then it was like, you got like one a year. So yeah. you weren't, you weren't really known for it unless you like someone that was getting sneakers like regularly around the mm-hmm. clock. I just, I didn't have it like that. Um, yeah. I, I think people knew I was into music because I think my clothing style and the music preferences changed all the time back then. <laughs> Yeah. Well, were you like a, a hip hop head first or were you, cause I know you're into hardcore too. So like, mm-hmm. and I, and I have that same like weird, Oh, yeah. I got into this and this and you know, I so know, like, I feel like rock and like heavy metal or, you know, not even heavy metal, but like, I don't know, early memories besides pop would be like guns and roses, but then mm-hmm. alternative stuff like Depeche mode and like the cure, but like, I don't know. The stuff I really, I think, got obsessed with was hip hop, mostly New York based, you know, mm-hmm. Tribe Called Quest, um, Black Moon. Um, like, yeah, a lot of the long, like Rakim, um, mm-hmm. EPMD, but other, uh, Wu Tang, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like full obsession. And then at the same time, I was very into like MTV's Alternative Nation, 120 Minutes. So a lot of alternative bands. Yeah. Go to like La- My favorite thing in the world back then was going to Lollapalooza because you'd get a little bit of hip hop, a little bit of rock and metal and punk and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. um, your mom, yeah, will, well, your parents would let you go to Lollapalooza? Yeah, they, they <laughs> would. Uh, I, I can't remember when my first like one of those junior or senior year, I remember I went to see Offspring at um, – roseland ballroom and mm-hmm. it's like kind of the first pit i was in um i know it sounds funny now because they at, at the time they were like real punk and then they changed to very poppy punk, but, um yeah offspring Ops, I mean, was fire right i get well, I, I, li- I like offspring it's not even a guilty pleasure that, <laughs> that album is incredible so um yeah no i i would go to concerts and and shows like that they they let me go i mean it probably made it easier for my parents to let me go because i was straight edge you know what i mean mm-hmm. or still i'm straight edge so i think they trusted me as long as i you know got home at a decent time yeah and, you know, i wasn't uh, a bad kid or anything <laughs> i did the did the scene pull you into being straight edge or like it was the scene like i knew about it it wasn't like i was that into hardcore where i was following all the hardcore bands and straight edge bands like Mm -hmm. i liked a lot of my local ones that went to you know either from long island or school like i just liked going to shows and so much of what hardcore bands stand for like i I thought was like really cool Mm -hmm. and straight edge being you know a thing um but that's not what pulled me in like i didn't listen to a youth of today record and then go like i'm gonna be straight edge like it was (laughs) I knew about it, and then it was, I think, junior year of high school, New Year after New Year's Eve, I'd seen the way my friends had been acting with, um, you know, drugs and alcohol, and I was, mm-hmm. I was drinking at the time, and I was like, this is just not for me. Like, I wasn't mad at them. I wasn't, I didn't have any other big story or big reason. I, I was just like, I kind of like being in my raw, true self. Mm-hmm. and i'm not that right now but i'm gonna you know thinking about moving forward i was like I, I think i'd rather just stay like that um and i didn't i don't even remember when the decision came but it was sometime after that new year's i was like yeah i'm not not really into that stuff and then i was like i guess i'm straight edge <laughs> <laughs> you're there you're there like i'm gonna go to my next show make sure the x's stay on <laughs> i never really i never really did that i mean it was cool when i did go to a show and they put it on but uh uh-huh. Yeah, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't looking like CM Punk out there. <laughs> well, he's injured now. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm watching it right now. He's probably telling the world he can't make it the rest. Well, <laughs> I had to turn it off because I know I would be the same thing. I'd be like looking over there. But the 
So then, I mean, I, I'm like Long Island has like a huge yeah. history in terms of just like music. I mean, MF Doom's from there, and yes, um, but like, and then third base, and no, wait, not third yeah. base, yeah, third base is yeah, half of third base, not yeah, definitely. Wait, uh-huh. Search was from Long Island, yeah. right? Yeah, if yeah. It wasn't yeah. from. I, I forget my like old day now. I don't you know. That I, I just he yeah. lived or he's referenced Long Island. So. Yeah, the the one thing I remember him saying, I think it was either that he would bike to uh, to Dumale's house from where he lived. And then, but I don't remember where he was living at the time. I, I think I think he said he was living at Washington Heights or something like that. He would bike from Washington Heights all the way to to Long Island and hang out with the Dumalays. You'd be like, yeah, no. people don't aren't familiar with Long Island that listen to here. It's just like I, I think it gets a bad rap for you know, like, do you want to go to the city, New York City, mm-hmm. here, Long Island? Yes, I understand. You want to be live in the city or rep the city? Totally get it, but. I think that that pull and that like distinction between Long Island and New York City is what made Long Island so dope. There are, <laughs> there are people, you know, like like the aforementioned artists that mm-hmm. wanted to prove themselves so bad. I feel like you're, you're so hungry and starving for culture in Long Island and mm-hmm. you're feeling all the energy from the city. And, and some people, I think, carry that from Long Island and, you know, become one with the, you know, the rest of New York. So... I think that's cool. And at the same time for me, like it's just the way I was wired or maybe because of the way I was raised. But I also like that I have, you know, a little bit of distance and a break from from the city as well, you know. <laughs> so that just ends up being like, I think, a lot of the way I operate in in life. I, I, I don't know. Maybe Long Island shaped me in that way. But I, I, I think I have that same sort of hunger and uh, willingness to sort of compete or prove myself as uh, other Long Island people did in their respective um art forms and lines of work yeah i mean what so then what propelled you into the career path like because you know, i mean we talked a little bit about it you, you worked at extra butter but before that like what was your first job and then what made you want to realize okay this is what i want to do and stuff like that the first job is actually sam goody if you remember uh, of course i remember sam goody yeah. i used to go in there all the time <laughs> yeah i mean i'm so old that when i would go there it was only music and like the very little movies but you know all music mm-hmm. stores eventually turned into like selling all sorts types of stuff yeah but yeah sam goody so i like really was into the music thing for a long time and not until midway point of college when I'm forced to do internships is I'm like, I'm starting to work in the social work field, mm-hmm. mostly with autistic kids. And I really, really like that. So first job out of college was working with autistic kids. Then I, um, then I moved to um, foster care mm-hmm. and then I moved to, um, I, I don't know how else to say it, but I was working like social work programs that were connected to um I was nearby, like nearby where I grew up with, but with re- like, not regular, I don't want to say that word, but <laughs> with high schools and middle schools and like, yeah. I had different sort of programs. Some of them involved um, counseling programs. Some of them mm-hmm. were recreational programs. Like I was kind of there to service um, kids that wanted different outlets for things. Like I had a breakdance club. I had mm-hmm. kids that had to see me because they had, um, what do you call it? Community service hours to fill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Like I had all different, um, oh, like after school detention, like discussion groups and stuff mm-hmm. like that. No, these are all great programs that, that I think they need to be a lot more easier to find. I think back then they, it was either like you had to do it and that was it. Like, I mean, I remember getting like out, out, what is it? Outhouse? No, at home, to, to at home suspension. Yeah, yeah, and then in order to like come back in, you had to do you know your little two hours or something to yeah. talk to somebody and stuff like that. And and I don't know yeah. if that's a lot more easier to find now, even with the internet. But I also think that you know you got to be more, you got to be receptive to that. And at the, and that is that is definitely tough, especially for kids yeah. now. You know, the funny thing is, is a big reason I stopped social work is mm-hmm. so one, I wanted to study for. Um, my GREs to, so I can go now pursue a master's in either social work or psychology, because mm-hmm. I'm just not getting to where I wanted to with the bachelor's degree. And, um, I never liked, well, I didn't like a lot of my like bosses or supervisors when I was in social work. Some mm-hmm. I liked, some 
I didn't. And I was like, well, the only way I'll ever be in charge of those people is if I get my master's. But um, yeah, big reason for leaving social work. Um, I remember I was working in high school and like one problem I consistently had throughout my career um, at every stage of social work is I would wear sneakers to work. Yeah. <laughs> like I think for a time being, I bought some, I think I bought something at Cole Haan and mm-hmm. I think I also bought a shoe at Aldo. Like I had something that the like two shoes I, I remember being like, okay, these are my non sneakers. <laughs> Yo, Kohan with the lunar grand with the lunar grand uh Not shoes. You know? I, wish I, I wish it would if it was if that was back then when I was when I needed it and was uh-huh. working, I would have I would have been wearing those and been fine with it, but <laughs> No, I was like in pain when I would have to not wear sneakers back in the day. So I would mm-hmm. always wear sneakers. And then I think because I, you know, found ways to dress a little bit younger. Um, you know, I, I remember one time I went to the school, it was at Elwood High School. And um, yes, like a vice principal and security guard, like they mm-hmm. kicked me out because they thought I was one of the kids. <laughs> like, like trespassing and whatnot. I was like, bro, I'm like 20 you know, I think I was 26, 27 at the time. Uh-huh. Yeah, something like that. And I'm like, I know I've got for them. Huh? You're too fresh for them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really wasn't. I wasn't dressed like a kid, but I mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess the sneakers and then, you know, like the kids would talk to me about gear too because, mm-hmm. I don't know, that was like a thing we had in common and like probably helped them form like some trust and, you know, yeah. have a relationship with me because I wasn't just some – other person telling them what to do I was no like, yeah it's definitely kind of i think it it like lowered their shield down because you're you're you can they can see you as like you're not some just overbearing um status figure or somebody that's going to try to push them down you were seeing them at the same level because they felt like they can they're talking to somebody that's like them that knows a little bit more and so it's not like it doesn't seem like oh i have to be i have to be against the authority you know to i guess bring it back to wrestling (laughs) (laughs) exactly no it's it's really interesting it really goes full circle because Mm -hmm. i remember i i was used to break dance at this park that's nearby um Renard's footwear where I, you know, eventually got started and mm-hmm. I just walked in there, you know, it was, I'd always see if they had like new dunks or Air Max. Uh, I wasn't too, too into Jordans at the time, especially mm-hmm. since back, like at the time I was shopping it, like they, they were into like 17, eight, like it wasn't the stuff I liked fours mm-hmm. and fives. And sixes yeah. and anyway, like, and I saw one of the, one of the kids that would attend my, um like after school programs and groups and you know we he i remember he used to make fun of me because he didn't know what i was wearing mm-hmm. um he was into jordans and air forces like i would wear vandals and dunks and he didn't really know what they were and i had to put them on and eventually i think he realized he's like oh this guy knows what he's talking about <laughs> i was just like lurking on nike talk and then i would go into the city mostly classic kicks a life dqm mm-hmm. and shop and you know, I would tell him that that's where I was getting stuff. And then one day he, he like goes and gets the owner and he's like, talk to, talk to Jason. Like I know him from, from my high school and, you know, he's like, you should, you should work here basically. And I was like, okay. Like, so I just, I just, yeah, I just started. Was it, was it, was it like, like, well, one, I gotta know how'd you explain this to your parents of being like, yo, I'm a, I'm a not do social work anymore. I'm working at a sneaker store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't remember how it came out, but I just know it wasn't it wasn't good. Like, you know, kind of typical Asian parents. Like, I'm already messing up not being in like nursing school or like you know what I mean. On my way to being a doctor, now I'm I'm even getting rid of the social work thing and um, you know, literally working for minimum wage at mm-hmm. the time um, at a sneaker store, and then it got. It got worse because it went from like you're just part time minimum wage at a sneaker store. It's like now I'm full time. Like I'm really committing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like open to close more than forty hours a week. It was it was it was crazy. I don't think they they didn't realize it was like my grad school though. You know, like mm-hmm. I I was deep in the learning. Um, between what I learned at that store, I would go every time I wasn't working, I would go to the city and I mean, just lurk. Like I was Mm -hmm. lurking to see how people operated their shops. Um, 
you know, the only one of the like big resources at the time, the Fresh and Smag, Sneaker Freaker. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from them. Whenever they interviewed store owners, I would like read those religiously. Um, so yeah, I, it was it was my crash course in learning how to start my own thing. And the I'm definitely super curious because like. I mean, you talked about like the baby Renarts, like being being a baby at Renarts, and and I mean now they're expanding and such and such. But the the you got to see like the I want to say this is when the internet made sneakers explode into this all this huge community and culture. Um, and you and now you're being you know the sponge going to other places and seeing how stuff is done too, like. What were you able to see that that people, I think they take for granted now, but you look at it back and you're like, wow, I can't believe this. I was there for that. I, honestly, <clears throat> everyone who's similar to me in, in this life, I, I just feel for them, but I give them all the credit because you're just able to see stuff way ahead of time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's not some psychic stuff. You can just kind of pull on needs and collective you know consciousness and what people are like really into and like if there's energy behind the way it felt like 20 of us on nike talk were all gunning for like one sneaker i was like well it's only going to be more infectious like more Mm -hmm. people are going to be into it and the more you you know get out like it's a combination of finding out on the internet and finding out in person there's like a lot more people into the things that you're into Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and just being able to take that and then say you know like my vision for extra butter was like you know here i am working at this store and they are not serving that customer at all they're not even getting that type of product like you can find gems in line here and there you know Mm -hmm. what i mean because like good air maxes used to be in the catalog or like Mm -hmm. even sockney like i you know finding like we had a good business with jazz but i'm like maybe we should try these shadows you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and like now you're finding like a customer for those things um you know, it was just only natural to say, like, what if we put it in its own concept and like mirror what I was seeing in the city mm-hmm. and, you know, a few other parts of the you know United States with like undefeated. And I don't know, there weren't too many boutiques back then, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. globally, but just a few of those. And then you figure like there's already three or four in New York City. Like, why couldn't one exist in Long Island where people like me were taking the train to the city every weekend to shop at those stores? And yeah. New, so that was sort of my approach. We considered opening New York City first, but it just felt more natural to um, open in Long Island. But yeah, like the game of convincing people that something is going to happen before it's actually like fully there is uh, something I think I've just grown used to my entire life. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, you're definitely one of one of the the like original tastemakers that in like my, in my world, right. Where I remember when extra butter first started and people in, in NSB was like, yo, this crazy is concept store. And I'm, I'm obsessed with concepts, concept stores. Like my favorite store of all time is DQM. I love Dave. I had Dave on the podcast. Like he yeah. is one of the biggest influences in my life. And like he's a huge influence to me. Yeah. He's amazing. And it's wild that I, I'm able to talk to him still. So like being able to go from, it's just some dude on the forum to a dude, a podcast that could talk to Dave Ortiz is like, I already just fulfilled one of my childhood fantasies, right? The, but I remember reading about the store and being like, "Yo, it's a movie theater, uh, you know, a concept store." And I was like, "What? I love movies. What? I love sneakers." And so, um, I, I, I remember trying to convince my boy because he, he, my boy Joey, he would always be like, "Yo, whenever you want to go to a sneaker store, let me know. We're out." So I wanted to go to Long Island, but I never made the trek. And so when they finally opened downtown, that's when I went down there. And that's when I finally met you when I first met you. <laughs> yeah, that I feel bad for people that are into that brand, but did like into extra butter, but didn't experience the Long Island thing, because mm-hmm. that's that's like where all the soul was. You yeah. Know? Like, I mean, creating it like I like super inspired. I don't know if you I mean, you, you said SBs, but like legendary store special sauce sneakers and mm-hmm. Long Island and they just had so much culture at that store like people playing chess I would go there to break dance I met my wife there mm-hmm. um, attending like breakdance sessions mm-hmm. but like 
that's what I wanted to do in extra, with extra butter, but in my own way. I just thought, what better way is it to like earn a living, but also have it like reflect your lifestyle, invite other people in, you know? So mm-hmm. a space that we, I mean, did breakdance, but just opened up for creativity of all sorts. Obviously watched a ton of movies there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that was the, that was the vision. Like, um, but like it would never pretend it could exist without special sauce, without DQM mm-hmm. seeing concept without a life. You know what I mean? Like those things were forming as I was just having ideas of like, mm-hmm. what it'd be like to open a store that those guys all were part of everyone's blueprint today. No, yeah, and I, I, I'm, I mean, I, I have an obsession, like I said earlier, with boutiques, and and it's sad that we're in this realm that there. I feel like it's either everybody becomes Kith, or you know, there's no real identity unless you're like Bodega. But even I feel like Bodega took away, strips away some of that like speakeasy element from their store. Everybody knows it's a speakeasy now. Like I remember reading in uh, Sneaker Freaker. Uh, people being like, yeah, you know, I, it took me an hour to figure out that you had to go to the vending machine. I was just like, it took an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, what is wild that you, you, you're saying that you helped open oh, extra butter because I didn't even know that. But the the. Oh, you didn't? The, no, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's so. like, I mean, I mean, yeah, not to take credit or whatever, but like. I mean, I had like, I literally go to the owners of Renarts and say like, I need you to make me a business card so I could attend this trade show. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I can't attend the trade show without like some sort of validation that I'm legit, you know? <laughs> and they're like, what are you going to the trade show for? And I was like, well, I was learning, you know, from, I consider themselves like mentors um, from the people at Fruition in Las Vegas mm-hmm. about what it was like for them to open a store and not told me about magic trade show and this is where all the you know streetwear brands you know some footwear brands would show up there and that's how you find out about what's coming out and form relationships i was like all right i gotta be there Mm -hmm. and so you know it was like what are you gonna do i was like well i'm gonna open a store and it's gonna be based (laughs) off movies because that's my like you know, the thing that I did instead of going to frat parties when I was in college. And I don't know, like I just had the whole theme in my mind, you know, uh-huh. I like basing a private label and different sneaker concepts over movies. I love the idea of like little parts of the movie theater inside of a sneaker store. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All of it just was like a vision to me, but you know, I ended up partnering with my partners at the time because they were like, you can't just go to any sneaker brand and say like, can I, can I open an account? Like there's, you need credit lines and chips and all that stuff. So even though I had been meeting a lot of people at brands from, um, you know, sitting in on buying meetings and stuff, like it definitely fast tracked extra butter to opening once we already, you know, on day one had product there because Mm -hmm. I was able to tell uh, like sneaker brands, like we already have a Nike account. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So like it's sort of got it by way of grandfather in and then streetwear brands also that they're really psyched when they're like, you're not just some random kid opening a new story. Like you're going to have Nike Reebok, you know, Saucony Asics from day one, like Mm -hmm. that, it's like whoever else, like that made a big difference. But then everything from there, I felt like, you know, really had to earn it at the time. They didn't just, I mean, it's probably still like this now, but. Nike and other brands, they're not trying to give you quick strikes and collabs or anything. Nah, yeah. really have, like something special going on in their store. And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, we spend so much time creating that culture and creating that energy and building that consumer up and having the lines and managing those releases all the time until, mm-hmm. you know, one by one, each brand was like, you, you guys are doing it out there mm-hmm. in Long Island. Like normally they just have that like big city approach and they say that's not really um a need to put like the better product there no Mm -hmm. one's out there in long island they go to new york city for that i was like no they're out here and we'll show you you know what i mean yeah so um yeah that was the approach but um i know i don't talk about it much these days but like no yeah i mean but yeah you know i think the more people dig into various aspects of my personality you're just like 
wait, that entire store's DNA is your, <laughs> you know, like your um, brainchild. So, yeah. No, yeah. It, I mean, it makes a, a thousand percent more sense to me now, especially being, seeing and being there for so, like, for as many years as I've been going there. Uh, it's it's wild, the trajectory from that, too, because I, I'm, like, as you're telling me this, I'm, I was just like, what made you so curious to know more and do more? Because if anybody, I would, I would say, to be honest, I mean, look, this may be shitting on a ton of people, but I think anybody in your position at that time would just be like, I'm fine with this. I, I'm, I'm, oh, I, I was gonna, I was assume a manager, manager at, at there at Renards at the time, uh, you know, and just be like, oh, cool, I'm a manager, whatever. And then, not build upon that what what made you just be like you know what i'm gonna I'm actually do something beyond this i mean i think i'm um you know i spoke to being like i just like see things like you have like visionary if you want to call it you know mm-hmm. it sounds like i'm talking myself too highly but i don't know you i'm just able to see exactly what extra butter is you know mm-hmm. like i'm able to see the culture that we created the being able to do collabs like we ended up doing. I mean, they were, they were dreams, but I felt like they were attainable dreams. So legend, I, you got it. You forgot the word legend, legendary collabs. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's, I don't know. That's just what I, I don't really know other way. Plus I'm very big on like, I can't look at something that I love without seeing all the things that I hate about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I'm with you. I'm with you with podcasting right now. I'm hundred (laughs) percent with you. (laughs) I got you. But that that's like, you know, you I would just have too many bad experience at sneaker stores that I was Mm -hmm. like, we need more boutiques out there. But Mm -hmm. then even the boutiques, not to shit on them, like again, I feel like they raised me in a weird way. But like I didn't love this experience of going into those stores in Mm -hmm. New York City. Like I I love them for like the wonder and all the new stuff i was put onto, but like the actual experience you know mm-hmm. what i mean like it's not known for its customer service but no yeah you had to you had to you had to grind it out to be honest like you had to be like there every week and then they go oh shoot what's good and then you, yeah. then you get the familiarity and you're I, like, I, I like yeah. that aspect of it to yeah. be honest but it's it's just not how i am you mm-hmm. know what i mean so and like i don't think you know like the tone i don't know what it's like now but you know, no, everybody's nice. Everybody's trying to make a sale. That's that's yeah. what it is now. <laughs> during my time at Extra Butter, like, and especially opening Long Island, like, we're not trying to be uh, better than anyone. You know what I mean? Like, we're like very open door. Like, I'd, I'd rather educate. You know, maybe that's the social work side of me. Mm-hmm. So I always maintain that. Um, yeah, it's just like, and then you know, transitioning to Saucony, it was like, mm-hmm. well, one, I, I wanted to leave Extra Butter for reasons I'm not going to go into. No, 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 you don't have to. Was, but um, I wasn't sure what. Like, I thought I was going to uh, pursue hockey or movies mm-hmm. or I don't know different things. I mean, I think what I've learned at Extra Butter and even now at Saucony can be applied to all different stuff. Um, but I. Yeah, like I, I got the call one day that a position opened at Saucony. It's small team. I didn't even know at the time. I mean, I had interviewed with one other company. Mm-hmm. Um, it was New Balance, and they, they didn't know whether – I interviewed on both sides. They were like, we don't know if we should hire you on the product side or the marketing side. And I was mm. like, I don't know either. But, <laughs> you know, but I, – To be honest, I think when – I remember – you you posted because I I I followed you yeah you let me follow you this is how I'm putting it you let me follow you after we met and we and I was coming through and then after that um you were like I think you posted that yeah I'm out of there and I was just like what and then I was like oh he's probably you know he's he's he does amazing sneakers he's gonna do something dope like you know New Balance or something like that and I I was thinking new I was like Jay's going to New Balance and then you. I guess a year later, you were like, no, nah, I've been at Saucony for a year. I was just like, oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it was just opportunity. I mean, like, yeah, love love those guys at, mm-hmm. at NB, and they've had the most phenomenal run, and there still are mm-hmm. um, running. But, like, yeah, it was just the opportunity at Saucony was, like, it's a small team. Yes, it's a marketing position, even though you can't figure it out. But, like, you'll be able to – get your hands on it, like mm-hmm. on everything. And I was like, that sounds about what, I, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I uh, just jumped into that. And um, I remember Eric uh, Smolin, he's, 
he's at 47 now, but he was the PLM at the time at Saucony um, to convince people to hire me because I didn't have a formal background. Right. Um, yeah. You got, you got a crazy background. You're coming from social work and extra butter. <laughs> and yeah, red they, they knew I knew the consumer and they knew a new product, but then they're like the other thing Eric said to them about me, which I'll never forget. And I, I kind of look for the same thing in people mm-hmm. is like it, Eric said, he was like, he's got a chip on his shoulder because mm-hmm. of, you know, leaving, extra butter and wanting to prove, um, you know, I'm on like my third different life, you know, yeah. after social work and extra butter is like my <laughs> third go at like a new career. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't forget that. And I, I know I've carried that energy into the stuff I do at Saucony. No. Yeah. I mean, you're on a tremendous run and the idea of just the idea now, like it does make sense a lot more, especially when people start getting to know you uh that you do have this like chip on your shoulder of just being like nah nah i'm gonna make this thing happen and i think (laughs) (laughs) like i like that's that's what that's see i guess that's maybe we just answered my question because it does it's like i don't want to be here if i have an idea not like i don't want i don't want to be stuck like you to me it's like you don't want to plateau ever like if you if you you know there's always room above and i think a lot of people settle for that plateau and think that all right we're right here like i'm good like i don't need to i don't need to work harder i don't need to find the next thing and and even though finding the next thing can sometimes seem like oh i don't know what's next and that is what's stopping you i feel like you look at it as being like that's the adventure part like we don't like we we we're about to make something happen you know and yeah, yeah. The I mean that that zone. Yeah, yeah. What what makes it comfortable for you? Because I think that's like the the hardest part for people. Because I definitely I'm curious of like is your is your was it your family that put this the these ideologies into your head or is it just like the people around you, or or is it just like a scene? Probably I'll, I'll always give respect to my parents even though they frustrated me growing up like they they wanted me to you know not just do the right thing but work hard and you know they didn't care about anyone else like comparing myself to they're just like you you just have to do the best that you you can do like like maybe they put it in my head maybe i was born this way but you just know when you can give a little bit more than the next person you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and so i started to use that as my advantage but like also i think it's just growing up you know like this is, it's not, it's going to sound cliche, but this is how, this is life as a, a person of color. Like you, mm-hmm. you realize you're different from people, you know, the majority of people throughout your life, you mm-hmm. realize that some of those things and the ways you're different can be an advantage, <laughs> like mm-hmm. in sneakers and things related to culture, that was an advantage that I knew of that stuff. Like I knew cultural context to things and just had an eye for, you know, and developed taste for, I don't know, cooler <laughs> shit than others. I don't know mm-hmm. how to, how to describe it, but like, yeah, the, the, that's the type of thing you just focus on. Like whether it's a combination way I was raised and just, I don't know where I was born, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm forgetting the actual question now, but like, that's, <laughs> what, what, uh, what put this chip on your shoulder? Like, how did you learn yeah, yeah. That, that. I, I don't know. It, it's just that. And like, I, I mean, I think also be, as being introverted, like, you know, mm-hmm. you don't like, I just don't say a lot, especially when I was younger. So mm-hmm. if anyone doubted me, I was, I had no other way to prove them wrong. Like I mm-hmm. wasn't getting to get into a debate or argument with the person. I was just like, all right, like I'll show, I'll show, I'll show you. Yourself. You, know what I mean? <laughs> you led by example. You put, you put them, you put them in their place by example exactly so i don't know the chip on my shoulder like i can't like i said i can't look at a lot of things without seeing what's wrong with it you know and wanting Mm -hmm. to fix it and then but i think that that's attributed to i mean being introverted because you're just you're observing everything you're not really having a commentary on a ton of things but you're like oh i'm gonna just sit here and pay attention and see what's going on because i mean simple simple example we could easily talk about when we just met recently at complex con you know you took the instead of you being within the booth with J tips, you just watched everybody come and give J tips his flowers, you know? And that, that like, I, I mean, I see that you're appreciate cause we talked about it. You're appreciate there. We talked about your appreciation for that because you, you put in the spotlight on him and people are accepting that he has a spotlight and, 
you're just watching how people maneuver and and talk to him and be like, you know, hey, this is bringing validity to everything that we're doing right now. So yeah, I miss that part about New York. I miss that part about having a store. Like I, I am an intense lurker. I like mm-hmm. to observe like crazy. I I think I could. I think I'm picking up on energy. Obviously, I'm observing physical attributes of what people are wearing and whatnot, but mm-hmm. people's style. But I think I'm picking up on way more. Um, and yeah, like that's a position I like to be in. It, it, it can be draining, you know what I mean? Like I, I think you, you've probably noticed that actually part of like I'm either very present or or you cannot find me because mm-hmm. I I need to disappear into like my. Oh yeah, there was several times I was like, "Is Jay here?" And they're like, "Nah." He's like, he's yeah, in the, like, it was like. Yeah, yeah. I can't get certain things done or I can't even complete or see like certain thoughts without having that like isolation. So it's, it's just a balance. No. Yeah. It, it, look, what was it? Cause I'm very curious about your first year at Saucony and like, was it just this huge culture shock and, or also did you, were you like, okay, I guess I can't buy anything else. Now I got to be like fully into this brand. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think of it as like the, I can't buy any other brands. Although like mm-hmm. if anyone ever looked through my storage, I, I have like equal love for like so many brands. I have mm-hmm. like, I, I really don't think there's one dominant. I mean, maybe Nike has the most pairs over time, but like mm-hmm. I have so many pairs of other brands or secondary brands, whatever that, yeah, like it didn't trouble me too much going to a brand because not being able to wear other brands because even when I was at Extra Butter, I seen people that work for brands like still buy stuff from our store or of other mm-hmm. brands and and they're like, you know, I still wear other stuff on weekends <laughs> and whatnot. So and plus sometimes it's just like you need to have something, even though mm-hmm. you're not gonna wear it, you just need to have it. So mm-hmm. I didn't let that trouble me too much and, and like honestly I I look back, there's so many weird things that I, I didn't know my career would end up this way, but I always loved Saucony as the underdog brand. I always loved their catalog. Like, mm-hmm. I just thought that like, okay, like even if I have to be wearing it 24 seven, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it. <laughs> and, and was it a huge culture shock for you? Cause oh, I mean, culture shock part, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was, it was, I, I remember when I, I, they like they flew me up to have an interview and I like walked around the office a bit and I I noticed it didn't look the way I thought it might look you know what mm-hmm. I mean I the only other office that I looked like visited to that oh well, I've had visited New Balance um, but I remember I'd recently had visited Adidas too um, mm-hmm. just visiting friends and it looked a lot different than it did at Saucony. <laughs> um, so it was a little bit shocking and then obviously when I first got in there I felt that way but. I don't know. I look, it's same as Long Island. You know, there were, I mean, there was only one other like sneaker boutique at the time, but mm-hmm. um, I was like, okay, no one's really going to know what the hell this thing is, this mm-hmm. movie store, movie, you know, movie theater slash sneaker store. But mm-hmm. like, I was like, I'm comfortable with that. Like, I'm, I'm just going to get in there and make it happen. And if someone asks me, like, I've got answers for you. And same thing with Saucony, you know, like I, I think I, stood out i still think i stand out and do things different but Uh happy to educate people and if they're not willing to be educated you're just going to see through the work you know how it has impact so i I definitely think that is especially last year just just even encompassing last year where you show like you showed everybody oh we we are here you know i think that the everybody saying you know j tip sneaker of the year you know you, you had several viral moments off of the the shoe um what is it because and I, I will tell you a story of the first initial release but you know people the the azura the azura that he dropped that you guys dropped that shoe made crazy waves right and what was it to come to that point and like, were you just like, oh, I know this is going to go crazy. And then it it went crazy. Like, there was, that there, thought there was process. One moment, you know, I, mm-hmm. I knew when I, I had my eye on, on um, J-Tips and the energy was, you know, the noise he was making in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, um, I think for me it was – I don't know. It was just when he, when he started to put his shoe together, I was like, okay, this thing's kind of crazy, mm-hmm. you know, but 
I mean, this is only a couple of years ago. Like, no shoe is something that you haven't seen before. Like, you've seen crazy. I mean, you know, Jeremy Scott exists. There's, you've seen crazy. You've yeah. seen simple. Like, good is good, no matter which end of the spectrum you're at with that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but I just like the person a lot. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And I, I felt like this is some one that other people would rally behind too. I already saw how New York was rallying behind him, but mm-hmm. now you start to view it as like, will the world be able to relate? Um, and then like, yeah, like this is probably not a surprise to anyone, but when we got those first maps, you know, like the maps are like the designs he puts together before we send them off for sampling. And I was like looking through them and I was like, man, this shit says, remember who fronted. I was like, this, this is my guy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's, that's another one of those chip on your shoulder. I was like, this is too yeah. good. He had other sayings too, but I was like, yeah, I don't really tell collaborators what to do, but I'm going to tell them to go with this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the remember who fronted because it just, I knew if I can get behind it in this same sort of way, other people would too. And um, yeah, I don't know. There wasn't a defining moment. There's like several moments while we were building things that I'm like, okay, I think this is going to be dope. Oh, I think this is going to be bigger than I thought it was like over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, because um, well, I'm, I'm curious, because you did a bunch of collaborations, you know, you got the Frank yeah. Cooker, uh, which I'm still eyeing, I got to get those and the uh, Raised by Wolves, you know, maybe tomorrow's the the claim of stories, the this ramp up to where, you know, where you're going, where is it cloaked in trying to bring back sneaker culture, like the pure essence of sneaker culture, this like, because I want to, to me, and this is, I want to just, I guess, could commend you for this. To me, when, when I saw these releases, it reminded me of like that originals clerk pack where you're just like, yo, I'm gonna work with these couple brands right here that, you know, not many people know, but know about, but I know they're going to do something crazy with these shoes. Come on. The, the Azuros from Raised by Wolves are super amazing. You know, you got the, the last year, the crystal, uh, crystal, I, I always say crystal castles. Is it crystal castles? No, that's a band that I, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's Crystal Caves. Crystal Caves, yeah, yeah, and those those are crazy as well. And then you know, you know, p- picking Bima's brain, which he, I mean, he worked with with Just John, who creates uh, Beignet Boys, and and oh, yeah. you know, that's a new, definitely up and coming brand too, because his stuff is amazing as well. Yeah. And yeah. like I said, you. For for me, it's like it's just so reminiscent of like that that clerks pack of just you just touching touching people on the shoulder and be like, yo, you you could do something crazy with this shoe. Yeah, I mean, it's like in a in the sneaker world and in the boutiques we go to. I mean, someone has to be willing to give Saucony a chance, right? Mm-hmm. With a smaller brand on those walls and whatnot, and you know, it's only fitting that like it would work for our collab partners, you know, mm-hmm. the same way, like. I think I heard like Welty and Dunn say at one of their podcasts, like if, you know, they're so excited at what Saucony did with, with J Tips and they're like, you know, if they did with uh, J Bal, you know, no disrespect or anything with <laughs> Travis Scott, like it wouldn't have worked. I forgot what they said uh. or who they said, but they cited that it wouldn't have worked. And I, I agree to some degree it would not have worked or it mm-hmm. wouldn't have popped off the way J Tips did because that's like, we share something like special together. And I think, mm-hmm we do with you know with bima with tom bogo with maybe tomorrow jordan from color Club, like so on and so forth i can go down the list like i i look for those attributes that make it make sense for so- they, they didn't have to be an og saucony head they don't mm-hmm. have to have the same um amount of saucony's that like sergey and the russian saucony team guys have <laughs> it's, it's not about that it's it's more um, there's different aspects of their pers- personality and like values that I think um, line up with who we are. And then the trajectory that I just see our brand on and, and their mm-hmm. brand on. Like I, I look for that alignment. I mean, is is really dope. I love I love that. I love the message. And it, it's what I think is so dope is that it, and I commend this for you as well, is that like I don't know if I took this. I put I, I, if this is just part of me or part of like this hive brain that we have of like when we get into a scene, we just like we really jump into it. And I think that like there's not that many people that does that that do that now in general. You know, like when I first got into hardcore, I was I was 
listen, I was Glassjaw all day. I still go to, I went to go see Glassjaw at Warsaw, you know, like Glassjaw is one of my favorite bands. And, and, and then learning about that scene and how, explain, like how it expands, like you get Deftones, you got, you know, all, um, I'm trying to remember everybody else from that, that era, but the, but like everybody, it, it to me, I think what, what I really loved about that scene was like community. Everybody was, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, uh, you're too cool. Like I'm too cool for you. You can't be in the pit with me. Like it wasn't nothing like that. It was all like everybody's hugging each other and be like, "Hey, what's up?" Like, "Oh snap, I saw you at the last show." And I think that was was dope about sneaker culture. It was like you go to these stores and everybody was like, "Hey, what's going on? You saw you was on that line the other like last week." And I don't you know. know how people are like people that don't have hobbies or things that they're obsessed with. I don't know how they live life, like honestly. So yeah, anything you get into, like if I can teach kids anything, I don't even know how you teach this, but you, you just have to hope that they get fall in love with something and like re- get real obsessed with it. So, um, and I think from there, it's only natural. You find those community. A lot of people shit on the way things are happening now or these mm-hmm. days with like, internet and social media but like that's all good too you know yeah people have met people because they've interacted on social media sold each other shoes whatever and then got Mm -hmm. to know each other in real life and are friends that way as well like i community's community even if it's like digital uh i i mean i would always like if someone had to make me choose i would choose in person for sure but Mm -hmm. um you know, online has helped introverts like me as well. And <laughs> I'm sure countless others. So, um, yeah, that community aspect is so important, but like, yeah, like I, I don't think people spend, or maybe our society or like that we don't emphasize that people should really fall in love with stuff and develop passion mm-hmm. for the things that they like, because they could develop into all these different things, whether it's just right. meeting a bunch of new friends or you fall into the career of it, um, which is, you know, I'll always advocate if I'm, you know, my, if I, there's another mission I have besides what I do at Saucony, it's like, I want to inspire and like teach or mentor youth in that way, because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like our world is like, it's great, but it's pretty miserable. And like, I Mm -hmm. think the root of many people's misery is not doing something that they love for a living. And so if people can find that thing that they love, I don't care what it is, sneakers, whatever it is creating content like whatever it is podcasting you know no 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 I, no, no stop I, with the podcast stop with the podcast <laughs> i push people to go go in on what they're obsessed with because mm-hmm. i'd rather them do that later in life than do something that they're not happy about and contribute to more um <laughs> you know yeah this misery in this world i know it's a dark way of looking at it but no that, i mean i think that's a practical way of looking at it because I've always I'm always a big believer of the the world's going to keep telling you no you can't do it right and it's on to you to change your destiny cuz you can easily fall into that and then you know just end up becoming nothing and that's like and if you look at it any other way it's tough to be like, okay, I'm gonna get like everybody always has this get it out the mud mentality, I think. You know, I think that's that's like or or you know, if, especially if you're from immigrant parents, it's like you're you're being pushed down like, no, you gotta be more successful than me. You gotta keep doing it, you know? And that becomes such a burden on you that you think that, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not I'm not I'm not living up to their expectations. And then and you know, that also brings you down. So like we're always surrounded by these like dark clouds that are trying to push us down. And I do believe in in finding something that you love, falling in love with it. And and if you fall in love with it so much, you would want to see change in it and then become the change that you want to see. Because when we fall in love with something, whether it be a hobby, profession or anything like that, you're going to see things that are wrong with it instinctively, instinctively right instinctively instinctively and um and you're gonna want to change it so how do you do that you become the change you become the person that makes that change and that's the only way you can get out of out of this so-called mud in my opinion (laughs) bro that 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 is word right there (laughs) you might have to put that on your something because that, that is the message people need to hear for sure I'll, I'll do it. Nobody likes my my motivational stuff when I or ask when I ask questions on content. So that's why my numbers are bad. <laughs> 
I, I well, I don't know how numbers. Work, <laughs> uh, but Jay, I got one last question before before yeah. you get out of here, and that question is it's going to need a little bit of visualization. I don't know if yeah. you listen to an episode, but I want you to think back to younger Jay as he was about to open that box of the hot lava Andre Agassi's Air Tech Challenge twos, and now you're you back in time behind yourself what would you tell your younger self as he opens that box um i think i was literally telling myself this that um you know when you get the issues like understand understand what it means you know understand what it represents um add new context and and flavor to it if you will Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think for the future, I would say like, don't ever lose sight of this, this attitude and spirit that are coming from like, the reason you like this shoe to begin with is because it broke boundaries. The reason you like the shoe to begin with is because is it, it, it deviated from norms and, and like what people thought was accessible or, or like should be a standard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I truly believe stuff like that music this shoe and other things in my life had like um, resounding impact in who I am today. So yeah, I, I, I think I would have told myself to make sure to not let go of it. Although I'm pretty sure I told myself at the time, cause I have not let go of that, that <laughs> and that spirit and what I do and how I live now. No, man. Yo, perfectly said. Thank you so much for jumping on, man. Long time coming, as I said. Thank you, bro. No, sorry. It's been a, a while. At the same time, it's good. You've been you've been building up. I see I see you out there. Um, and then I'm happy to, you know, share news from my side. So No, oh, yeah. I mean all the all the all the nice updates. It's easier to talk about stuff when you've done a bunch of cool things. No, I mean, look, you've done so much and I love seeing what you've been doing, what you're going to be doing. Very, very excited. Hopefully we catch, so I don't know, wrestling or something together one day, you know, when you're in the city. Um, I'm down for that more than I am the pickleball. Uh, in- no, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> wrestling would be fun. I, uh, I, I, I'm sure you knew other people at... Uh, extra butter at Laurie's side when I was there, but there were a few wrestling fans mm-hmm. um, and be cool to get together with them and all go see like a raw or, you know, like one of the events. I mean, we could definitely, we can go to Jamaica and watch uh, uh house of glory, like do it real roots. Like <laughs> some, some backyard wrestling, bro. Like it's Honestly, crazy. Like, live wrestling is amazing. So, yeah. Uh, that's for another whole podcast yeah yeah all right yo thank you for jumping on and for everybody out there you know what we say each week wear your kicks peace